Welcome to Vesa Talks podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have Karim Sayon on our podcast. And a little bit about Karim. He's a digital transformation expert with extensive experience working with GCC government agencies and enterprises to digitize and modernize their internal and external processes. After 28 years of deep operational experience in digital startups, the public sector, blockchain, manufacturing, transport, logistics, retail, and other verticals, Karim is currently building startups in the fintech and digital asset categories, including several of his own startups and platforms. Welcome. Thank you, Mario. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I was really excited to see your bio, and there's a lot on there that I'm really uh, interested in, especially the fintech and digital asset components and blockchain, which I'm really interested in. Uh, but before we dig into that, uh, tell me, uh, Karim, wh where are you originally from? And it, uh, I, I saw that you went to McGill in Canada. I'm a fellow Canadian as well, but maybe you can uh, let us know uh, your, your, your journey from, uh, from childhood. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and keep it brief. Uh, Pleasure, Mario. Um, I'm born in Lebanon. Uh, my parents have German, my dad has German roots. My mom has Palestinian Armenian roots. And I grew up in Dubai. And then uh, once I was done with school, uh, I went to Canada to study engineering. Ended up uh, working in Canada for a while. And then I moved to the Caribbean, to Haiti. I spent 11 of okay. my years in Haiti uh, getting married. Oh. And I have a beautiful daughter uh, who's now in Montreal as well, studying in university. And uh, I'm back in Dubai since now probably, I think, 15 years. And I've dabbled wow. in, in various uh, businesses. And I think in the last nine years, I really got into consulting and digital um, and uh, worked a lot on, on various projects here in the region, including the Dubai Metro Extension for the Expo, uh, various government agencies, uh, large digitization, digital transformation programs in Abu Dhabi mostly. And currently, I'm uh, working in Abu Dhabi for a fund. Um, it's a venture studio, which is an interesting business model. We can maybe discuss that. And uh, Absolutely. We're, we're, I'm involved in basically helping them launch a couple of ventures uh, in uh, digital assets and fintech. Amazing. So um, before we even talk about that, you know, I, I, I myself love the progression of uh, the UAE, Dubai in particular, and uh, obviously Abu Dhabi and what appears to be Saudi now as well. Uh, tell our viewers a little bit about, uh, you know, I mean, 15 years ago, um, you know, Dubai was the up and coming, lots of promises, that kind of stuff, I imagine. And, you know, what was that like uh, going there 15 years ago versus now, you know? Yeah, I mean, D Dubai epitomizes so many, so many things that, uh, you know, countries strive to achieve. I think Dubai and Abu Dhabi as well, you know, the UAE overall. Uh, very wise leadership, very progressive, and they really care about their people and they want to they modernize. And I think this is the model to follow for enterprises, right? To be agile, to want to modernize, to keep your, your team, uh, your, your human capital up to date, keep them trained, and uh, you know, continuously try to, to improve and uh, become more efficient and adopt. They've adopted digital as a government. Uh, it was first it was mobile, then it became e-government, and now, you know, digital. And I've been involved in some of these programs. And as we know, anyone in the digital transformation space, it is hard. It is hard. But they've overcome and they continuously improve. And uh, 
you know, Dubai and Abu Dhabi have become places where people want to come and live because uh, of the infrastructure, the logistics, the security, and this wonderful environment that welcomed uh, blockchain and, and cryptocurrency companies. They're still very careful. They, 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 they want to make sure that uh, any company that operates is regulated and that space is regulated and follows the rules because, you know, uh, as we know right now, we've we've seen some of the you know the big stories and the headlines, and um, it, it is a risk. But uh, they're approaching it with very very uh, say solid uh, uh, foundations and in, in regulatory uh, protocols and, and rules. And uh, yeah, I think I think they're doing it right. I mean, I grew up here before going to university, and I've seen the evolution of this uh, this nation. And uh, it's it's home. My parents have been here uh, for the last 48 years. I've been here on and off for that long as well. And I choose to live here by choice. I mean, I'm Canadian, as you know. I love Canada. But I thought, you know, um, you know, I came back here to work. It's so interesting. I mean, myself, I was actually raised in Germany until I was 14, and then I moved to Canada. And... Uh, you know, uh, having lived in the United States as well and for 10 years, having done business there, looking at the world uh, landscape, you know, everything is pointing towards the, the Middle East. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it baffles me to see the Western countries not adopting crypto, not adopting blockchain, not adopting some of these uh, forward-thinking models. Um, why do you think the Western world is, you know, digging their heels in, and saying no, we we can't allow this to happen and whatnot. Like, what makes what's the difference? Is is Dubai, uh, you know, do they want to just like bite into a, a, a greater uh, portion of the pie and they're taking more risk, or do you think it's something else? Uh, I th I think it's the legacy. I think these nations in the West uh, that are currently uh, concerned about crypto. Uh, I think they're, they have this huge legacy, right? The banking system is so big and, uh, you know, the pension systems and so much depends on that. And the U.S. is still uh, the, the reserve currency of the world in spite of, you know, the recent, uh, let's say, Instagram posts we've been seeing about de-dollarization. The yuan is actually pegged to the dollar. So, uh, it, 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 Dubai, I think... It, the UAE is has just been uh, more agile. They have less they have less history, right? In, in that sense, and uh, they have less to risk. And the disruption that uh, that the the West are scared of is not really is not really an issue over here. And uh, the UAE and Saudi are very very uh, rich in natural resources, as we know. And for the last I don't know, 10 years at least, they've been trying to, to move their economy from uh, relying so much now, uh, solely on these natural resources and, and moving towards a more service economy and, uh, and, uh, and digital. So that, uh, you know, once, the, once these uh, natural resources run out or become less desirable, uh, they, they're still, they're still uh, competing on the world stage. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, I just can't, uh, I can't imagine having heard so much about Saudi as I have in the last month or two months, you know. Uh, I'm really interested to hear your uh, opinion about their ambitious goals. They have the 2030 uh, NOAM 
uh, a city, and uh, you know, it's it. You know, they got obviously Ronaldo playing there now, which is <laughs> unimaginable a couple of years ago, right? So, you know, are they just throwing money at uh, anything and see if it sticks, or what is your opinion about uh, the ambitious plans of Saudi Arabia? I'm 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 fascinated by it. I can't wait to go to Riyadh ASAP and just check it out. It's. Uh, I was there a year ago doing a project with Saudi Post um, on a joint venture. So they've created a. The people that I was working with and Saudi Post have created a, a joint venture, a digital venture. So they're trying to overcome some of the challenges of government entities uh, by creating these PPPs, public-private partnerships, that are, are, are really a great vehicle for progress, right? Uh, um, I mean, these have existed for a long time all over the world, and here they're adopting them. and. Uh, it allows these government entities to, to progress um, and uh, avoid some of the challenges of procurement, per se, per se, and, and other things. And I'm really excited about what's happening in Saudi Arabia. My time there, I spent a month uh, working with, the, with, with Saudi Post and working with the IT department, helping them become a digital IT department and seeing how we could shift some of the team from that entity to the new entity. And what amazed me was the young women that were educated, master's degrees, perfect English, and really uh, they had ownership, let's say, of of uh, what's happening, and they they are they feel completely empowered and uh, uh, to to change their country, and it's really great to see that because uh, uh, you know. Uh, I think that's what's happening in Saudi. I think the, the, the youth have been in, uh, empowered and they're fully engaged uh, in spite of all the other issues and noise. Saudi is moving towards modernizing its economy and uh, digitizing and using whatever means available to uh, speed that up. They have hundreds of, I don't know how many consultants are there uh, working to build uh, and speed up uh, the progress and leverage the natural beauty of the country. I mean, this country is it's huge. Places we've never seen, before, we've never heard of before. You know, the, the Red Sea project, Neon, uh, Al Ola, and uh, you see pictures and it's stunning. And they even have snow, which, you know, is something we didn't know. I mean, until I went to their expo pavilion. So I'm very excited about what's happening in Saudi. I'm excited for the UAE as well because these countries here. Um, you know, I've been home for me for a long time in my family, and it's great to see them, you know, shine at the world stage, at the world level, and uh, and uh, I'm really excited for the future. That's amazing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to explore that, um, you know, part of the world even further, and uh, yeah, just, just uh, un, un, almost unreal kind of, uh, you know, developments, right? Uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, I saw that you were a senior project manager uh, for Further Ventures, which uh, was the world's most advanced, regulated, and insured digital and custody solution. So that really intrigued me. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and what, um, you know, what the challenges were and what the whole point of it was? I mean, uh, you know, was it to just uh, you know, uh, bring blockchain to, to a family office? Or what, what was that like? Uh, I'm, I'm super curious about that. I'm currently involved in that project, so I'm not too comfortable talking about it too much. Um, there are partners okay. at Further Ventures that would be better versed, and I could connect you to them. But I think essentially what we're trying to do is 
is uh, legitimize cryptocurrency and start to address some of the issues that uh, institutions would face, are facing, let's say, to secure these assets uh, using technology that exists before. It's IBM technology. It's called secret computing. And it, uh, it uh, allows institutions to basically configure policy, uh, their delegation of authority, which is basically their rules about how assets can be moved, right, onto a system and be able to secure those assets. And uh, it's very exciting to be part of that project. It's, a reg it's going to be a regulated entity and it's going to be insured. So you get that level of assurance that we know as individuals who invest in crypto how, you know, you could lose your keys, you could lose your, your, your you know, uh, you could easily yep. get hacked and so forth. We're trying to remove that, let's say, that risk and uh, bring that level of assurance that's required by institutions. And uh, hopefully this is what's going to be a huge stepping stone for crypto worldwide. Right. Um, I'm really intrigued by that. I mean, I've been part of crypto since, I'd say, 2015, 16. And, you know, even now, you know, seven, eight years later, I still find myself looking for, you know, which, ma which, which uh, wallet did I use? Did I put it onto this? Did I put, you know, what are my key? What's the password? I mean, I can't even imagine uh, just a, 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 a regular, call it a regular person that wants just to buy some crypto and where do they store it and what do they do with it? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I say eventually in what it, whether it's 10 or 20 years, it's just going to be one button and, you know, it'll be very similar to banking now. So um, in your opinion, uh, you know, where do you see, you know, uh, do, do you feel like Bitcoin will be the standard? Do you feel like ETH? Do you feel like, uh, you know, what, what, what is going to be that the main stable currency? Because, you know, as we know, some of the stable currencies are not so stable after all. <laughs> what, yeah. are you, what is your opinions about that? Yeah, I mean, this is a hot button topic. Uh, we all have our opinions. I believe that uh, decentralization is key. And when we look at different cryptocurrencies, we should look at how decentralized they are. We all have our favorites, the people, you know, and it's, it's sometimes it's an emotional. So it's not very objective. It could be very subjective. Obviously, uh, Bitcoin is the first one. and We all, I think, most of us have this attachment to it. And uh, it's really interesting. I mean, definitely uh, something that I, I admire. Uh, you know, I recommend people to read the Bitcoin white paper and, you know, ask questions and get, in, and get involved and understand how, you know. But, but I'm going to share with you probably what I shared with Aziz last time. I, said, I feel like in crypto right now, we're at the very, very beginning, very beginning. And when I'm talking about that, it could go back to cavemen, where someone, and the metaphor is that someone realized that if you took a boulder and you took off the sharp edges, that you could roll it more easily. You know somehow and but the wheel hasn't been invented the, the turbine hasn't invented cars and, and and so forth so we're very very early on but the acceleration is going to happen very quickly so uh this 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 technology this ability to 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 inter to interact to transact through the internet securely is uh is at the very is is fundamental right it's a watershed moment but we still don't know what's going to happen. We still don't know what we're going to design. We still don't know the kind of uh, platforms and applications that are going to come on top of it. You know, who would have thought that, you know, when the internet was invented and I started, you know, in the, in the mid nineties, right? With a modem and, and connecting and getting an email address yep. and so forth. Who would have thought that, you know, we'd be sharing locations via WhatsApp and ordering food and, 
and being able to track the motorcycle uh, delivering your food to you. No one could have, you know, some people did imagine it, but, you know, would have, you know, it's, it, it's crazy. And, and um, that amount of progress happened from 1995 to they were in 2023. That's almost 30 years. But I think we're going to see uh, time, the, these, these uh, let's say, improvements and changes happen much quicker, much quicker. Much quicker, absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, I, I remember, uh, you know, having a Commodore VIC-20 and having a 9600 baud modem and you know and looking at uh, you know basic you know little dot going across and whatnot you know it was just crazy uh, and, and and the same conversations i feel i had when when uh, you know when e-commerce arena uh, came about you know and people were like no who's going to buy anything online i'm not putting my credit card in there so now that we have this digital adoption i think that you're right it's going to go much much quicker you know and uh, I'm excited about it. I mean, I, I, I'm still preaching to my friends, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it just seems like, uh, it, like the Middle East is adopting so much quicker. And I, I even watched a video today, and this, uh, this guy went into a dealership and bought a Porsche 911 GT3 uh, with Bitcoin. And it was literally like minutes, you know? Like, it was just, <laughs> just un unimaginable in Europe or, or, or North America. <laughs> it's just, uh, uh, just awesome. I, I, I even took the clip and I, I put it into my videos. Um, so one of the things, I guess, that you do is, uh, you know, you create digital platforms or maybe you use digital platforms to supercharge existing businesses. So can you talk a little bit about that? So, you know, which businesses in particular... Do you uh, digitalize, or is it all of them? Uh, which ones are maybe your preferred ones? And how do you achieve supercharge uh, status, so to speak? That's a very interesting question. I've, I've been digitizing uh, since, I was a, since I was a teenager. I remember convincing my mother to buy me a Commodore Amiga uh, after my Commodore 128. And the Amiga, I think at the time, was probably $2,000. And that was in the mid-'80s. And then she said, why should I? Why, what are you going to do with this? And I said, oh, well, you have a business. You're going to be able to manage your customer's data, you know? This is CRM, you know, before CRM existed as a term, right? <laughs> so, yep. you know, and then, you know, when I, when I moved to Haiti, my, uh, one of the businesses I worked in had, had, didn't have a point of sale. And that was the first thing I did. I went and I found a point of sale software and I started to digitally transform the business so that we had online priceless so that we could issue invoices, digital invoices, and, uh, and link to an accounting software, you know, rather than doing books by hand, which in Haiti at the time was, was a standard. And uh, then I, you know, I became a board director and, and the company that I worked for, which was publicly traded at the time, a U.S. company, they were asking us as, as, uh, as the managers to shift customers from coming to the office to using the website. So that was digital transformation before that term was even prevalent, right? How do we get people to go online and, and communicate online rather than coming uh, to the office to get their documents and so transacting online? And then, you know, when Facebook started, um, I had a small business and I was using Facebook to drive business to my store. And that's digital marketing, right? So, you know, I've been involved uh, uh, at all these stages um, and really thinking hard and and, and trying to leverage these digital tools to improve business, right? Improve efficiency, um, um, be able to delight and, and, and have richer communications, right? With video and emails and images, and, you know, content creation at the time uh, wasn't, you know, wasn't what it is today. 
and uh, content creators today are amazing. I mean, today I follow, I love cooking and I follow these digital creators that they didn't, they don't know how to cook, but they, you know, they learn how to chop and then they create a video and they take a recipe and boom, they, they're showing, they're demonstrating how to cook a recipe uh, with, yep. with sound and, and, you know, visual effects. And these guys are amazing, amazing content creators. And uh, that's what they are. Now, is the recipe any good? I don't know. Could be, you know, <laughs> but, but they're very good at creating content. They're very talented in um, using cameras and video and sound to engage. And, you know, we talk about the attention economy. They know how to get our, the eyeballs, right? So that has value. And, and uh, you know, super, when we say supercharge uh, businesses, you look at a business today and you can easily uh, spot, you know, bottlenecks. You can see, you know, deliveries uh, are, are slow. Uh, drivers are taking too long to find the location that they're going to. Um, they don't, customers don't get their prices fast enough. Uh, they want more information about the product and the specifications. Uh, they get the wrong product, you know, so requirements and, and, and managing specifications. So there are all these issues in any business today, any normal business, even digital businesses that are 100% native digital, there's a way to right. improve them. And uh, I think some of us have the skill. Uh, it, it, it makes us seem a little bit negative because we always find problems, but we're also, <laughs> we're also suggesting solutions. And that's what I do. Uh, I think sometimes I consider myself to be a kind of digital fixer for enterprises, right? So being able to look and, and see what can be done, right? And, and the problem is that, um, that I've seen, right? People know managers, owners, business owners, and employees, they know that digital will help, but they don't know how to go about it the right way. Uh, there's so many tools out there. Where do you begin? You know, how do you do that? How do you select the right tool? And uh, then how do you implement it properly? And this is where we come in. It's not that straightforward, right? It's not, you don't just walk into a shop, buy a hammer, buy some nails. Uh, it's a bit more complex. So, um, and now with so many, you know, specific tools, niche tools that, uh, you know, address specific use cases, which one do you use? How do you, you know, if you look at the big ERPs, you know, the Oracles, the SAPs, configuring those systems is more complicated than actually designing and building new systems for the business. So you find a lot of small businesses tend to code or build their own tools. And I always say, if I'm gonna drive on the highway, I'm not gonna drive in a car that's built in a workshop. I'm gonna to go to best practices, right? I wanna drive Toyota or Honda or Mercedes or BMW. I want that best practice. I want that quality. I want to be sure that the wheels are not going to fly off. When you have a big business or you have a government entity, you cannot afford to use homemade, you know, uh, for you know, homemade products. Let's say homemade, artisanal products, coded, coded without best practices, without standards. Uh, and why are we reinventing the wheel? When we buy, when yep. we pay, when we pay for an SAP or an Oracle, we're not just buying the software, we're buying the best practices of the industry because they serve multiple businesses in that field. So they've gone and they've checked and they've taken all that time and put that effort. And also we're buying the quality, right? So depending on the size of the business, depending on the application, depending on the challenge, 
you need to know what to do. You need to know, should you go for a smaller software? Should you go for a bigger software? Maybe a bigger software, but just one module. So there are many, many elements, right? Many questions to answer when you're digital, when you're selecting tools to automate your business. And, uh, right. and one of the things that I've learned to do, because I've worked for uh, some really interesting uh, companies in the past and I've learned a lot, is that we look at a business as a bunch of capabilities. We call it architecture, right? We, we, we look at what does this company do? The business architecture, it sounds complicated, but basically it's a bunch of capabilities or activities that happen in that business and we list them. We organize them almost like Lego blocks and then we start to say, well, these Lego blocks will be automated by this software. These will be automated by this software. So in the end, you get like a digital canvas and you're able to organize how you are organizing your, your business, how you're digitizing and how you're modernizing. Because every two, three years, you should be, you know, continue. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a nonstop process. A large organization, Absolutely. a bank, a large company, even a small company like a school, should always be looking at how to improve and how to update. And a software has a shelf life. After a certain number of years, Absolutely. if you have a SaaS software, then they're doing the updates in the cloud, right? And they're offering it to you as, 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 uh, as, as updates, as patches and so forth. And if you have an on-premise software, you need to either download the new version, okay? Or you need to possibly change. So it's continuously changing. There's, continu there's continuous work that's happening and we can never sit still and we can never relax too long for a business. And uh, right. these are some of the challenges that uh, I think businesses, and I'm trying to be as generic as possible. Sure. No, it's, uh, it's, it's very true. I mean, I was part of the very first uh, PPP project here in Serbia about eight years ago and uh, they had never done it before. And so it was absolute challenging to go through the bureaucracy and everything that was happening and in the end we did not succeed I learned a lot but uh, uh, having this kind of uh, old-school attitude uh, in a lot of these countries is, is so detrimental towards technology and moving forward right and that brings me to my next point and that is uh, startups so I've had uh, five startups in my life and uh, I was wondering how somebody like you who goes into existing businesses and existing governments, if there's any um, synergy in startups, is that you know, something that interests you? I know you, you, the, there was something about a fintech and digital asset startup, but can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, startups are very interesting, right? Uh, they're digitally native, usually, and uh, uh, small starts with a small team. And um, yeah, I mean, they face challenges. Obviously, usually startups face funding challenges. And I think the venture studio uh, model is, is, is resolving that because the venture studio comes in with the funding overall and they're able to create and build it up and, and you know, build and hire the founders and, and push it through. So resolves that issue. And it's a very interesting model. And that's the model that Further Ventures has adopted. And I'm very, very excited to be working with them and helping them on several of these ventures. Coming back to, this, to, to startups, I mean, listen, there's so many kinds of startups and I'm sure you've met many, many people, many founders. They usually have an idea. Sometimes they come from a consulting background. Sometimes they come from a technical background. And there's always challenges. There's always challenges. It might be a skill gap. It might be 
you know, the product market fit challenge. It might be they might be uh, it might be a timing challenge where they're they've come in too soon, right? Um, sometimes they're leveraging existing technology that still is not up to par. Um, but one of the biggest challenges I think is about adoption, right? It's how to get people to change. And uh, this is a topic that I, I extensively uh, work on, change management, you know, the human side of, of, uh, of technology, which is looking at the user. And uh, will they use a product? You know, like today, cryptocurrency is obviously um, facing that challenge. Um, you know, soon we're gonna have flying cars, you know. Electric cars are facing some of these issues. You know, you hear, you hear people talking about electric cars, it's exciting, but then, uh, you know, a friend of mine took a road trip in, from Holland to, to Switzerland, and instead of six hours, it took 18 hours because the chargers were, the charging stations were so busy. So, um, you know, uh, to me, it's it's a very broad topic. Um, I'm very interested. I have a couple of startup ideas myself that I'm kind of incubating and, and trying to launch. And it is uh, leveraging uh, the smart contract capability of, of digital assets and NFTs, not as art, not as music, but using that built-in smart contract that 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 can be coded into an NFT to improve uh, a couple of value chains. One is in the influencer marketing space, and the other one is in the online food ordering space. And uh, I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm still in the in the pitching phase and where we're preparing. Uh, but you know, hopefully. We can hopefully we can have another chat about about it when we've launched or when we've uh, yeah we've, we've secured some funding. Absolutely, that sounds really really exciting. That's great. Well, um, we're gonna wrap it up soon, but I always have one question that I ask uh, all my guests, and that is, if uh, you were in my shoes and you would have asked yourself a question that I didn't ask, what would that be? Mm, that's really interesting. Uh, I, th I think that I think that you know this this we've become digital nomads, right? So I was talking to my niece today, and I recommended a book called The Sovereign Individual. I think it's mm -hmm. it's basic reading for most people studying crypto and blockchain. And it is you know how do you imagine the world? How do we imagine the world in ten years? You know where are we going to live? How are we going to work? Are we going to work in the metaverse? Uh, I imagine that, you know, I think the pandemic kind of brought that home for us. We were, you know, on Zoom calls and I thought, hmm, what if I was in Bali, you know, but I'm checking into the metaverse in New York, into an office. And uh, yeah, so for me, it's it's really about thinking, what's our work going to be like? How do we how do we interact as humans in this new economy? And, you know, what are some of the challenges we're going to face? I hear a lot of people say, no, we need to meet face to face. and I don't want to work through a computer, and you know I think there is a there is a there is this big movement towards wellness and how we take care of ourselves, so our mental wellness, our physical wellness, and I think we're going to start to prioritize that, and we'd be selecting places where we're happier, we're fitter, we're healthier, we're eating uh, better food, and we're still able to work and manage stress. And I think this is like a hot topic, and I think. Uh, a lot of the successful startups, uh, including where I work right now, really understand how important that is so that they, they, the, these ventures thrive. You know, the wellness, the wellness of the team, how well they are, how happy they are, how, 
how to get the best out of them. It's not about squeezing. It's not about squeezing people to death, right? Mm-hmm. Making them work long hours. Right. It's about getting the best out of them. And I think this this is a really interesting topic. And you know, um, and how do we help them get there? You know, how do we help people uh, become happier? How do we help people learn to meditate and and uh, exercise and still manage a full workload and you know perform at a high level? I think that's one of the Absolutely. biggest challenges right now. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, that's that's a topic that I just love uh, meditation, and you know, I live in Thailand in the winters, where I you know really reconnect with, you know, just simpleness and uh, uh, having a, a, an easier life. And then in the su- you know, and then in the summers I go to Europe, and it becomes more hectic. And you know, so I try to balance it out as much as I can. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that in the next five to ten years, it will be all about wellness and how how much you take care of yourself. And I'm a big proponent of. Uh, networking face to face, although business itself should be done, you know, as digitally as possible. But in terms of relationships, I'm very, very uh, uh, much in favor of uh, uh, having a face to face and having a, a meal and a drink or whatever, a coffee, and you know that's when you form the the, the, the basics of of being a human, I suppose. Well, Karim, thank you so much. Uh, it's been really a, a pleasure talking to you. You're full of wisdom, and I'm sure that. I would love to have you on again, and uh, as soon as I get to Dubai, I'd uh, love to have a, a, a coffee, tea, or, a drink, or, or, yeah. or something we'll with have, you. We'll have a drink for sure, Mario. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Karim. Thank you. Bye-bye.